youth could go back to their class during this time. Uh, You can be turning in your Bibles if you have your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. We'll be going there. Um, I'm going to be reading the passage and then we'll have a time of prayer and then we will go from there. Like I said earlier, we're going to do some rolling with me today. So it might look a little different and you'll see why. But let's read the passage and then we're going to pray and then we're going to get into the gospel of Mark. This week has been a different week and I'll be explaining that and how I got to what today, birthday celebration, right? We're waiting for that feast. And uh, I was going to say this earlier, um, don't look at your clocks, please, because it may take a little longer today, but that's okay. And you'll understand why. Because I believe God is good and God is going to do some good things today. He's already been doing some good things this week, but don't look at your clocks. I'll be looking at the clock, but don't be looking at the clock because we might go till noon, just so you know, okay? But bear with me because it's not all about me. It's about us as a church family and about God's word, the gospel of Mark and what the Spirit's leading us today. So here we go. One thing that I started off with this week, my brother-in-law called me uh, when I... He called me on Monday or Friday of last week and said, can I interview you for my class, my master's class? And I was like, sure. It's a leadership class, and he wants to talk to church leaders, um, pastors, ministers. And I said, sure, I'll do the interview. He sent me the questions to look over and what's gonna, what the questions are. Um, so he called me Monday, and we had a little interview for his class. And one of the questions was, what is your strength or weakness? Nate, tell me one of your strengths and tell me one of your weaknesses and explain And I was thinking, like, I have to come up with these weaknesses and strengths. But one strength I told my brother-in-law, he's a minister, he's been a minister for many, many years. And I said, a strength of mine is I want to always be excited about the Bible. When I study, I get excited. And I go to the Bible and I say, This is not familiar to me. I want to learn something today. The story you're going to read today is probably familiar. It's the feeding of the 5,000. You've probably heard it many, 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 many times. But maybe you'll hear it in a different light today because I did. And you'll see why. But we're going to read it together. But that was one of my strengths. I told my brother-in-law, I want to always be excited about going to God's Word. So are you excited to go to God's Word today? I was excited to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. I hope you were too. And thinking of what He's done for us. Paul said in the book of Romans, clothe yourselves with Jesus. And that's what we do when we say, God, you're my Savior. So here we go. Are you ready? Let's go. That's what my my, uh, parents minister. He always says that before he preaches. Are you ready? And everybody's like, But he's always excited, and I'm excited with him. We, we're good friends. Um, 
So starting in verse 30, chapter 6, verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was five thousand. Let's pray together. Remember we heard veterans honoring veterans. We heard it was persecuted church, National Day of Prayer. And we have others who are sick and ill. So let's go to God in prayer today. God, you are a merciful God. You are slow to anger, slow to wrath. You're patient with us. You don't want any to perish. You want all to come to repentance. Thank you for today where we can come to the gospel according to Mark and the feeding of the 5,000 and learn something from it. I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in this place that the Spirit would guide us into truth and guide us into action. Thank you for the veterans that are represented here at Ferris and also those around the country that we honor them today, or this Friday we're going to honor them, but today we honor them as well in this church. Thank you for their service. Be with them even today. We also pray for the persecuted church around the world. I specifically pray for the countries of Bangladesh, Bhutan, Brunei, and Burkina Faso. They're hostile, they're restricted to the gospel, but there's Christians there that are serving you and worshiping you even right now. Even in the midst of the hardship, the struggles, and the persecution. I pray that we here at Ferris would not take it for granted that we can worship you freely. I pray that we would remember those brothers and sisters around the world that 
are dying for their faith, being put in prison for their faith in Jesus, being separated from families because of their faith in Jesus. Please be with us as we look to you, Jesus, the author, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The joy set before him, he endured the cross for us. God, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Slow down. Slow down. Who here does not know how to slow down? Who in here does know how to slow down? Slowing down is hard at times. Slowing down. In an article by Tony Swartz, he's a CEO of the Energy Project. You probably never heard of it. Maybe you have. But he said this about slowing down. It's secular, but there's a ring to it for the Christian life. He said, Speed is a source of stimulation and fleeting pleasure. Slowing down is a route to depth, more enduring satisfaction, and to excellence. When we do things fast, 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 the pleasure is just fleeting. It goes away right away. But when you slow down and actually get into something, especially the Christian life, if you're slowing down to study the Bible, there's more depth to it, there's more satisfaction, and there's more growth. Slow down, Tony Swartz. Speed is the source of fleeting pleasure. Another article blog I wrote by Janet Schiesel, I think it's pronounced, ended her blog in this way. In conclusion, try to do everything a little slower. Slow down. Try to do everything a little slower. So today we're going to take a slow down. That doesn't sound right, but we're going to take a slow down. Just bear with me. Slow down. You probably heard of this name before. Fred Rogers, anybody know who Fred Rogers is? Mr. Rogers. I used to watch that show as a kid. Won't you be my neighbor, right? He was speaking at a 2002 commencement address at Dartmouth College, and he said, I'm going to give you a gift, an individual, an invisible gift, and I'm going to give it to you today too as a minister. I'm pulling out my cell phone again. But you'll understand why. He said this, a gift of a silent minute. To think about those, this is Fred Rogers speaking, to think about those who have helped you become who you are today. Some of them may be here right now. Some may be far away. Some, like my astronomy professor, may even be in heaven. But wherever they are, if, they're, if they've loved you and encouraged you and wanted what was best in life for you, they're right inside yourself. And I feel that you deserve quiet time on this special occasion to devote some thought to them. So let's just take a minute in honor of those that have cared about us along the way. So I'm going to gift you a silent minute. You can think about whoever you want. You can think about Jesus, what he's done for you, but I'm going to gift us all with a silent minute. And I'll tell you when to begin, okay? So I'm going, let's have a silent minute. <laughs> 
just to think about what you want to think about, okay? That was one minute. That felt like a long time, didn't it? Do we ever stop and slow down and think about something? That was only one minute. Fred Rogers goes on, whomever you've been thinking about, imagine how grateful they must be. That during your silent times, you remember how important they are to you. It's not the honors and the prizes and the fancy outsides of life which ultimately nourish our souls. It's the knowing that we can be trusted, that we never have to fear the truth, that the bedrock of our lives from which we make our choices is very good stuff. One silent minute. Do we ever just slow down and think? When we go to the Christian life, do we ever slow down and spend time with Jesus? That's hard to do. Even one minute felt long to me. Mark chapter 6, verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to Him all they had done and taught. Remember last week, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. And they went from town to town and taught, preached repentance. They stayed in people's houses. And remember, if nobody um, welcomed them in that house, what were they supposed to do? Shake the dust off their feet, move on. And now Jesus, I don't know where Jesus was at at this time. It doesn't say. But they come back to Jesus and they report all they had done and taught. Today, this is a time frame. Not everybody's going to speak. This is an 8 to 10 minute. I'm giving opportunity for any one of you to give a testimony. There's a mic up here. I can pass this mic around. I'm going to bring it down. And I forgot to mention, Karen, I might be moving around a little bit, so the camera might be on. Not on me, but that's okay. But if somebody wants to try to record us, we can't. But I'm coming down here. There's a mic here. Now, you don't have to. There's eight to ten minutes, okay? We only got eight to ten minutes on this testimony time, but I'm going to give an opportunity. If you have a testimony of what God has done for you, whether it's the past year or the past week, it's time to share. So I'll, I'll bring the mic around if you want to raise your hand if you have a testimony, or you can walk up here if you're able and 
wait your turn to give a testimony, okay? But I'm timing myself here. Eight to ten minutes, okay? This isn't so much about me. It's about my son. And I wanted to say, praise God, because he came out of that conveyor and he just had injury. God saved his life. God's miraculous. He is. Amen. Thanks, Fernabeth. How much time do you need? A minute? No. How about three minutes? There's okay. a mic right here, right? Okay. I got a little filter now. I'm good. <laughs> I went and had surgery here back in 2014. And it's supposed to be four hours. I was under 12 for a back surgery. When I come out, they, uh, they come to me. Some people say, oh, I was the drugs, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Believe what you want. God spoke to me. And the only way I can describe it to you is there was a light, not running to a bright light. This light was so common. It was so wonderful. And he come to me and I said, I'm not worthy. Why are you here? I'm not worthy. I cannot sit next to you. I'm not worthy of it. And I'm telling you, you love your children. You love your wife. You love your mother, your father. You will never, ever experience the love that I felt. I cannot begin. I, there's no words for it. He loved me unconditionally. That I, I couldn't see his face. He didn't say anything, but I heard every word he said. I know it doesn't make sense. I'm on my knees begging him to let me know what I'm supposed to do. God, tell me. I don't know. I don't know what to do. His words were, I am not looking for a saint, nor am I looking for a prophet. What do I do? You go out and you help whoever you can and you bring the rest to me. You bring the rest to me. When I woke up, I had knuckles in my chest, slapping me, hitting me with knuckles in my chest to bring me back to life. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you what that felt like. I seek that every day. Every day. I tell my wife about it. I, I try and give her that experience because we're, I'm, I know her better than you guys. But it's, it's an experience. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to die. He will be there. He'll catch you. It's okay. No matter what you've done, you ask him for forgiveness, he will give it to you. And he will love you to no end. Trust me. Do not be afraid. Thank you. I'm not really sure what to say. You guys have been there for me since I was a baby. I I have bipolar and God 
blessed me with it, I guess. I just wanted to thank everybody for all their prayers on this journey. Amen. Thanks, Ben. Amen. Anyone else? Four minutes. Anybody, anybody? I usually don't talk on one of these things unless I'm singing at the bar karaoke, but I haven't been here since me and my wife split up in February, and something told me to get a hold of that man right there, and I was backsliding like crazy and lost all faith in everything, including myself. I almost died twice over the course of six months from drinking and fooling around and crashing cars and motorcycles to just being plain depressed. Well, one day I got on my knees and I talked to the Lord and he told me to get a hold of Keith. And I came back here where I have more family than I ever thought I did. Well, last night, my ex-wife came and talked to me as a friend. And, well, I just want to thank every one of you here. Anybody else? Two and a half. We're not to the two-minute warning yet. Anybody? Last chance, last call. Food can wait. (laughs) We ain't leaving yet. All right. The disciples or the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported him all they had done and taught. Do we ever just share what God has done in our lives? As we are serving people, as we are ministering to people, as we are getting ministered to, do we just share? And that's why I wanted to bring that opportunity to you to share what God is doing in our lives because sometimes people don't know. They'll ask you, how are you doing? You say, good, and now we're on our way. We don't hear about it. This was a time for just sharing what God has done. So they get together, right? The apostles gather around Jesus. I just want to see that time they're gathering around Jesus. Probably been gone for a few days, and now they're back together. Then 31 comes, verse 31 Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. That, I've never experienced that. He, well, actually I have. One time. On my wedding day, we had no chance to eat, me and Kelsey. Um, He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus looks at his apostles and says, come with me away from these crowds by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Get some rest. In the Greek it says, take rest a short time. And you'll understand, it's a short time. (laughs) Verse 32, they get into a boat, right? So they got into a boat to go to a solitary place. So 
I just, when, in, when the Greek says, take rest a short time, I think that must have been a short boat ride. But a restful boat ride. It doesn't tell us what they did in the boat. But I see Jesus calming them and they're getting some rest. Remember last time they were probably in a boat, a couple times ago in a boat, the storm, Jesus was asleep on the cushion. I just imagine Jesus is awake and all the apostles are sleeping on the boat. And Jesus is at the helm and getting them to the solitary place they were going to. That's how I picture it. I don't know about you, but I like to imagine Jesus is telling them, get some rest. And then verse 33, man, 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 verse 33. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot. They are fast runners. I don't know how long it was, but I wouldn't be running to the next town. I'd be walking. They're running to get there ahead of Jesus and his disciples. Then verse 34, Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. I think I've mentioned this before, but that word compassion means to have the bowels yearn. It's like your whole being. It's like way down deep. I have compassion on these people. And that's how Jesus feels about these people. He feels sympathy. He's pitying them. He's having compassion. He's moved with compassion. The Greek word is splachnitomai. It's just a neat word. But it's that all you have in the inside is just saying, I have to do something for these people. So he began teaching them many things. Doesn't say what he taught in the Gospel of Mark, but he's teaching them many things. He's saying... Whatever he's saying. Probably one of his sayings is repent and believe the good news. We know that's one of his messages. But he's teaching them many things. And they're listening to him. He has compassion on them. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place. Something interesting. You go back to verse number 31. He says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Then in verse 32, they got in a boat to a solitary place. Now the disciples are saying this is a remote place. It's the same word. The same Greek word is eramos. It means desert. For the ancient world is not only land that is without water and vegetation and therefore uninhabited, but also an area that has been laid waste and depopulated, a settlement or pasture that has been abandoned. A derelict site. Something that has been abandoned by its owner. And they're there. They're at this solitary, abandoned place. The disciples say, it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Jesus answered them, You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. This is just an illustration, okay? But it's a for me it's a powerful illustration. Like I said, this week has been this week has been very interesting for me. 
Very interesting. Monday through Wednesday, I studied and studied and studied this passage and reflected on it and meditated on it. And I was like, I have what I have. Okay, this, I wrote stuff down, okay? Wednesday comes, we have prayer meeting together. And then Bible study afterwards. And then at the end of Bible study, I'm like, I got to change my whole sermon. Because I'm convicted of these, this passage. This is just an illustration. So don't look at this box and say, I got to put something in it. This is an illustration. What does it say? I, 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 I'm a pastor, so I, I did it like last minute. It's very creative, okay? N-E-E-D-S. What's that spell? As I was studying this passage, and then Wednesday came, and Thursday I'm still thinking about it. Friday I'm thinking about it. I probably started thinking about it a couple weeks ago. The disciples, the apostles say, it's very late. Send them all away so they can go buy food for themselves. But he answered. Jesus said to his apostles, he looks at them and says, you Give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. If you saw this box, what does it say? Needs. Does it say what need it is? It doesn't, right? If you saw this box somewhere in this church and it says a need and a need, there's no specific need there, but whatever you put in there, it could meet a need of somebody. But you don't know what it is. But whatever you would put in there, somehow it's going to be used to glorify God's kingdom and to further the work of God's kingdom. You don't know what the need is. Would you put something in there? Would you put something in there? Because Jesus looks at His apostles and says, you give them something to eat. And as I was sitting at my desk in about a couple weeks, it's like, you give them something to eat. Jesus answered, Keith, you give them something to eat. Put your name in there. You give them something to eat. A pastor friend of mine always texts pastor's friends and says, I'm praying for your pulpit today. Every week he sends a text out. So I sent him this text back. I said, Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. I pray that you spiritually feed your flock today to this pastor friend. You give them something to eat. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to do it. Jesus doesn't say, let's take them to the town and they're gonna, we'll go with them and we're going to buy the bread all together. No, He looks at His disciples and says, you give them something to eat. They said to Him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus asked, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So Jesus says, hey, apostles, you're going to give them something to eat, so go see what you have. So they go out, see what they have. When they found out, they said five and two fish. So they found out what they had. It's just like this need box. If we're putting stuff in the need box and a need comes up and then we go to the box and say, oh, this is what we have, and then we leave it there and never use it, what's going to happen? Is it be, nothing's going to happen, right? 
But Jesus says, hey, disciples, bring what you have. Bring it to me. Tell me what you have. They come to him and say, we have five loaves, two fish. So Jesus directed them, the apostles, to have them all, all the crowd here. You're the crowd, okay? The 5,000 plus. You're the crowd. The disciples go and sits them between. 100 people over here, 100 people over here, 50 people here, 100 people all over. That must have took some time. <laughs> and it's already late. They need some food. But he tells them, sit in groups on the green grass. Did you catch that? They're in a remote place. They're in an abandoned, uninhabited area. A desert, as the Greek word is. And Mark, the writer, puts in here green grass. Only eyewitnesses can put those kind of details in there, aren't you? Right? Green grass. Oh man, this was interesting. I had to look up grass. (laughs) I had to. In the Greek. Because I was like, what is a desert place that, that never has green grass? Look at verse 39 for a second. That's green grass. And then look at 42. We're going to keep going here. So you, remember grass in your head, okay? So taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He gave thanks to God the Father. He's looking up to heaven and he broke the loaves and the disciples gave the people, the food. They all ate, verse 42, and were satisfied. So yes, I had to look up the word satisfied. I knew what it meant in English. Grass. In, chat, in verse 39, grass is the Greek word kortos, a feeding place. Verse 42, satisfy is cortazo. It comes from the cortaz word. So Jesus and the apostles, remember he's like, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Get some rest. They come to this remote place and it's found to have green grass, which is a feeding place. That's cool to me. That's exciting. You're bringing people to a feeding place. And remember, he taught people many things. Now they're sitting on the green grass and they're being fed physically. They're satisfied cortazo, which comes from the word to feed. They're being fed at the feeding place. That's why I go back to the interview with my brother-in-law. I want to always be excited about the Bible. That excites me right there. Going to a feeding place to get fed. And they were all satisfied. Verse 43, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. (laughs) That's pretty cool too. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So 5,000 plus, remember that's just men counted there. 5,000 plus people were fed by how many loaves and how many fish? 
I don't think I would be full with five loaves and two fish because the loaves then is just like that big. I'd still be hungry. But five loaves and two fish, God looks up to heaven and blesses God who provides food. Remember, who provides everything? God. So Jesus thanks God for this blessing and then everybody's fed. Everybody's spiritually fed, first of all. He's teaching many things. He's, um, and the people are listening to Jesus and now they get physically fed. Exciting. Alan Black writes this in his commentary. Without a shepherd to herd them, lead them to food and water and protect them, they would be in serious trouble. Remember, Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looks at them and says, they don't have a shepherd. And he has them sit down in groups. And he feeds them both spiritually and physically. Today I hope you're being spiritually fed. And in about maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, we're going to go out and be physically fed. Without a shepherd, these people would be in serious trouble. David Garland in his commentary says, Jesus is the true shepherd of his people who provides the necessities of their spiritual and physical life. A shepherd provides for his sheep. But Jesus, the true shepherd, the great shepherd, looks at his disciples and said, you give them something to eat. There's responsibilities for followers of Jesus. You give them something to eat. Go with me to James chapter 2. We're going to go to two verses here, two sections. James chapter 2. If you were with us in our James series a little while back, you heard this, but James chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Remember, who is James? A brother of Jesus. I wonder if he was here at the feeding of the 5,000. But here we go. James chapter 2, verse 15 says, Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Jesus says, You give them something to eat to his apostles. Remember, they were like, Well, just send them away so they can buy their own food. But Jesus says, you got a responsibility, apostles. You do something. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. John the apostle writes this. 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest 
in His presence. God tells His disciples, you give them something to eat. We learn that if you see a brother or sister in need and you have the material possessions to do it, what are you supposed to do? You do something. That's why this illustration of the needs box, what are you willing to give up and say, I'm going to whatever the need may be. I don't know what it is. But I would put something in there. Now this box is just an illustration. I don't want to see anything in the box. Okay? But it's an illustration of if you saw a box somewhere in this building and it said, this is for needs. Doesn't tell you the specific need. But you would put what you think would fill a need. What would you put in there? Because the Apostle John writes it. James writes it. If you see a brother or sister in need, do something about it. What would you do if you saw a need box? Would you give something or would you say, they can go do it themselves. They can go to the town and buy food for themselves. But Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Put your name in that. Fill in the blank. With your name, give them something to eat. David Garland goes on, we must minister to the spiritual needs at the root of many social problems and extend material aid to those who are in need. He goes on, before we can say, there is nothing that we can do, send them away, we should first go and see how many loaves we have. Do you ever have a need, somebody says, this is my need, and you're like, well, somebody else will do it. Or I don't have that right now, I can't give it away. But you never actually go and see what you have. Jesus says, you give them something to eat, go and see what you have. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. You see a need box, and if we had if we had one, this is an illustration, remember, if it was full, okay, of whatever's in there, and somebody said, there's a need, and then we go to the box and say, this is what we have, what can we do with it? But if we go to the need box and it's empty, right, I don't think we went and saw what we have. I hope that makes sense. Because this week, and maybe a couple weeks prior to that when it started, and I get to this passage, that's all I've been thinking about. You give them something to eat. I'm a minister of the good news. That's a responsibility I have to spiritually feed you. But we also, as a church family and a body of believers, we also have a responsibility to help people in need, right? even if we don't know the specific need. Jesus knows the need and He says, disciples, you do something about it. And then Jesus blesses what they have and everybody's satisfied. And even leftovers to bring with them or whatever. 
slow down. I hope that all works together. Because the disciples slowed down from their travels of teaching and healing people of demons and all that. They gather around Jesus and Jesus says, let's rest a while. And they got a short rest in the boat, I believe. But then Jesus had compassion on the crowds. He tells the disciples to sit them down in the green grass where they're being fed, both spiritually and physically. And there was even leftovers after everybody was satisfied. So slow down. Slow down. And join God. Join God in the work that He has for you, for this church, for the community. Because I think He calls us. I believe He calls us. You give them something to eat. Go and see how much you have. Bring it to me. I'll bless it. And then 12 basketfuls are left over. Do you need to slow down in life? Do you need to say, Jesus, I need to slow down and I can find rest in you? I need to repent of my sins and come to you for forgiveness like we've learned earlier today. Jesus offers forgiveness because He came and died on the cross for sinners like us. And then we picture of Jesus going to the cross, he was buried and now he wrote, he's risen again, he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, but we go in the watery grave of baptism, we're dead to our sins and we come up clothed with Christ and the Spirit comes on us and oh man, there's power. The Holy Spirit brings power so we can be witnesses. So we can go give something like Jesus is calling his disciples to and going back to that towel, Cheryl, you gave me the towel. A family that trusts each other, that cares for each other, that loves each other. That's what the need box represents, right? We love each other so much that I'm going to give something that I have to bless other people. Because we can do something with God's help. And with God's help, there's power. Do you believe that? Because I do. And a word came up this week in my mind, conviction. Do you ever get convicted about something? I was convicted. But a definition for convicted or conviction or convicted is having a strong belief about something and standing up for it. A writer that I read a long time ago said, don't even let good people change your convictions. And I was convicted to help people in need. Because Jesus tells His disciples, you give them something to eat. I hope we can take that. If all that you heard today was you give them something to eat or you give them something to wear, you give them something, 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 whatever it may be, I hope that you take it and run with it. And with God's help, the kingdom of God is going to be spread. But slow down. Take time.
Spend time with Jesus. Take a rest for a while. Even if it's in a boat or a deer stand. Right, Cody? Denny? Take a deer, take a, take a rest. And then when Jesus asks you to do something, go see what you have and do something with it. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gospel of Mark, for the words he wrote down for us and the stories of Jesus he wrote down. Jesus is the true shepherd of the sheep. Jesus provides many, many things. And I thank you for Jesus giving the apostles a direction and saying, you give them something to eat. And they didn't back down. They said, let's go see what we have. They bring it to Jesus and Jesus blesses it and all are fed and are satisfied. But I pray today as we go out these doors, well, first we're going to eat a meal together and be physically fed. So thank you for that. But as we leave these doors, help us to do something with what we have because everything comes from God. So we thank you in all that you've provided for us and the power that comes with the Holy Spirit. And I pray for those who don't know Jesus yet that they would repent of their sins and follow God, be baptized and be dead in their sins and then come up with a new life in Jesus, clothed with Jesus. In Jesus' wonderful, precious name, the Savior of the world, we pray. Amen. Our final song of the morning.